and cue the sad music. Welcome to the Deep Fried Cheese Nerds podcast, episode two, week one, also known as preseason game four, parentheses, but it counts. Um, my name is Shiloh. I'm here with Ryan and Cody, and today we are in mourning after suffering an embarrassing defeat against our division rivals, the Minnesota Vikings. We lost 23 to seven, and honestly, sometimes it didn't feel that close. Um, I think we got our butts kicked in pretty much every aspect of the game. How are you guys feeling after the tragedy of this Sunday's game? Yeah, this game hurt. I mean, to a division rival right out the gate, we lose like that. Like you said, it it didn't feel close. It, it felt like a total beatdown. Yeah, I, I'm not as upset as I was last year, um, but it stings a little more because it was it was the vikings so we had some pretty major developments coming out of this game coming into this game actually um rogers cut his hair what you guys think of the new do <laughs> the new do the new do <laughs> i showed i showed my wife and uh she hates his long hair so at first glance when he came off that plane it looked like it was clean shaven again and then he could see the old mop was still on top so uh, she was still, she gave like a, yes, finally. And then, oh, gross. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture here where it's a side profile. He's got some headphones and I don't know, Packers gossip hour, but it looks a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it looks like the kind of haircut you get when you're trying to feel young. Doesn't AJ Hawk have a similar haircut on the Pat McAfee show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody, one of those guys from the Pat McAfee show, they, it might have been Pat himself. He tweeted out saying uh, something about the AJ Hawk haircut. Uh, okay. <laughs> haircut buddies. They held hands in the chairs. Maybe they're using the same barber as Von Miller. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably talk about football now. Um, not just haircuts. Uh, we have a few major, not major injuries, but we have a few notable people that came out of this weekend with injuries or on the injury report. Quay Walker, our inside linebacker rookie, he is questionable with a shoulder. LaFleur says they're going to, quote, give him the week, and hopefully he'll be, quote, ready to roll. So we might have him for this next game. We might not. I hope we have him. We're going to talk about him a little bit more later. Chris Barnes, another inside linebacker, has a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss a few weeks for sure. Keyshawn Nixon, special team specialist is questionable with a shoulder. John Runyon, a guard, he's got a concussion. He's questionable. And then before the game, Elton Jenkins, guard, David Bakhtiari, tackle, and Alan Lazard, wide receiver. They didn't play. They were out. And we don't know what their status is for next week. So all in all, week one, not as bad as some week ones as far as the injury front, but definitely missing some big pieces there. And I think... The ones who were out before the game really affected the game in a major way. I think you could credit a lot of the mistakes to those three in particular being out. A lot of the offensive mistakes, at least. You're talking about Jenkins, Bakhtiari, and Lazard? Yep. Like, you're without your perceived wide receiver one, you know, your offensive line is absolutely gutted right out the gate. And it just messes up the whole plan. Um, that's a week-to-week heartbreak. 
is David Bakhtiari. I mean, I wish they would just let us let us know. I mean, every it seems like every week we're okay. He's back. He's practicing, and then it's scary. And then nope, sorry, he's not. Like I get it. I'm not trying to rush this guy back if he's. I don't want him to play with an injury, but it's it seems like it's been going on for a long like I don't know ten weeks or something like that where we get our hopes up that he's going to play and then nope. I mean, it's it's getting really scary. This is this is the kind of injury. Like, yeah, he's going to be out a while, but he didn't come back at all last year. And when he tried, it was kind of a disaster for him. It was a it caused a setback. This narrative we're watching makes it feel as if maybe he's headed for retirement, and that would be such a shame. He either retires or he comes back and plays mediocre. I think that's that's my personal thoughts on it. And of course, he had to sign that huge contract middle of the 2020 season i believe it was 2020 playoffs when he or was it before the 2020 playoffs when he got the injury i think it was right before the playoffs because i I remember missing him quite a bit during the playoffs and thinking that had we had him i think we would have gone to the super bowl we're approaching two years with only half a game played against the lions last year which was yeah. probably a mistake. So here's hoping Bakhtiari comes back um, eventually. I just want him to be healthy. You know, if he's going to play, I want him to be healthy. Obviously, everyone does. I don't want him playing on a liquefied knee. Like Cody said, if Bakhtiari comes back, I don't think he's going to be the player he once was. If that's 70, 80% of what he used to be, I still think he could be a pro bowler. But he needs to come back sooner rather than later at a healthy, in a healthy way. Right. Also, like, he'll come back. Say he comes back in two weeks. Hopefully it's next week, but say he comes back in two weeks. Is he really going to be, like, up to game speed? And, like, uh, is he going to have the endurance to be uh, effective and play the whole game, you know, and play at a high level? That's a good point. Two years is a long time for anyone to just be inactive. So you hope that it just means fresh legs, but... (laughs) At the same time, I mean, that's a long time to not take a snap in the NFL. And defenders learn a lot of stuff in a very short amount of time. So two years off the field, not seeing what defenders are doing now, it could really change the way he plays. The big name I want to see come back is Elton Jenkins. That guy does so much for that line. He is amazing. And you can put him pretty much everywhere. The Swiss Army knife. Yeah, I feel like we're missing Jenkins in a major way just because of A, his versatility, and B, um, just the physicality that he brings to that line. And Lazard, his claim to fame has always been his blocking ability, his ability to block as a wide receiver. I saw Watson try to throw a block similar to uh, what Lazard is asked to do, and it was just... I mean, Watson was trying to block two people at once, but... He did not attack when he went for the block. He yeah, if we're thinking sat of the back same on his heels. If we're thinking of the same play, I think that um, he looked so hesitant to get hit. You know, like he was kind of got that um, that brace for impact deal yeah. before the impact even happens. You know, like he looked very scared to get hit. Yeah, and I think if Lazard is asked to make that block, I think he's connecting with the defender three yards further downfield. So. I think getting Lazard and Jenkins back is going to improve this team immensely. And if Bakhtiari also comes back, I can only imagine how much better we'll be. 
All right, there's a little game I want to play with you guys. Um, I saw a post on Reddit last week, and it was intriguing, so I want to ask you guys. If you could steal any single player from our division to add to our team at this moment, who would it be? For me, I'm choosing Justin Jefferson. I mean, that seems like the obvious no-brainer choice. The guy is maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, and he's like 23, 24 years old. I know we tried to trade up to draft him, but it just wasn't going to happen. I wish we had. Yeah, Justin Jefferson's an obvious choice, but if I'm going to go a different route, not picking the same person you picked, again, wide receiver, we need to get better at that position. So if I had to pick somebody other than Justin Jefferson from our division, it would be Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm very high on that guy. I think he's going to have a stellar season. He's already off to a pretty good start. I would have to say he's going to be top three wide receiver in the NFC North, if not top two, right behind Jefferson. So I'm pretty hopeful about him. He's also on my fantasy team, so <laughs> I got to be a little hopeful. A little bias there. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. bias, but I, I, am, I do think he's going to be very good throughout this whole season. I'm going to go with Harrison Smith. He himself had seven total tackles, and I believe our safeties combined had like four. So also he had the pick, uh, one pass defense. He made a big impact, and I think we could do with one of those players in our safety position. Yeah, um, I actually had written down that Harrison Smith was playing like he was tired of people calling him old. Yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing, um, I remember seeing a, another Reddit post asking fans who their weak spot on their team was. I saw a couple Vikings fans calling for Harrison Smith, saying he was getting up there in age and he was missing a step. And on Sunday, he was not playing like a 33-year-old. He was playing like a seasoned veteran in his mid-late 20s. All right, switching gears a little bit. The AFC is looking like an incredibly strong division. Boy, the, the Bills put on a clinic against the Super Bowl champion Rams. The Bengals-Steelers had an amazing game that Ryan's going to talk about a little bit later. But at the same time, there's a couple of teams in the AFC that I'm just curious about who might have an outside chance at making the playoffs or making a deep run in the playoffs. So I kind of wanted to ask you guys, if you had to pick a dark horse AFC team, uh, a team that maybe isn't on everybody's radar to make it very far, who are you picking? Now, don't roast me here, but I'm going to go with the Colts. They just put up good numbers. I know they tied the Texans, but I think they're going to put it together. I know it was Matt Ryan's first game there. I think with JT, who is my favorite, and also uh, Pittman had a big game. I think once they once the season gets going, they'll hopefully not lose to the Jags to miss out on a playoff spot again. Speaking of uh, fantasy teams, Pittman was eligible as one of my keepers this year, and I passed on him for Mike Williams, and I have never been so angry at myself. Yeah, I questioned that from the beginning, but I didn't want to really <laughs> tell you. Well, Mike Williams was for a 10th, and Pittman was for an 8th. It just, the math made sense at the time, not so much anymore. Uh, Ryan, who do you got for your Dark Horse NFC AFC team? For me, it's the Broncos. I'm excited to see them tonight play. I think Wilson's going to have a hell of a season, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, and I actually want to go with um, Miami. I watched them play New England, and I watched them dominate New England. Um, now, I know New England is having a bit of trouble right now. They're not sure what they want to be, but Miami came out 
and just i mean they're also in a tough division they're gonna have to play the bills at some point a couple of times and it's gonna be a good test for them but if they play the way they played in new england i think they have a chance at least an outside chance of being a wild card team in the playoffs also mac jones more like broken back jones (laughs) yeah right was there an injury update for mac jones uh something about back spasms boy so young to have back spasms (laughs) I have back spasms. Yeah, so it was a pretty good weekend for football. There were a lot of fun games to watch. Um, Personally, that 49ers-Bears game, it wasn't the most exciting game, but I love any time the weather becomes another character in the game. I love any time, like, I love heavy snowfall games. I love muddy games, which sadly are no longer a thing in the NFL. And to see the Bears and the Niners running around in basically an ankle-deep pool was so much fun. Yeah, imagine being a fan at that game. I saw a couple of videos of fans who were just getting dumped on from the uh, like the rainfall collecting in the level above them <laughs> and just pouring down. Yeah, It was pretty good. They won't have to worry about that when they uh, put a dome on their new stadium whenever that happens. <laughs> we're going to be the only team left in the division with a grass field. And we're the north, you know? Yeah, it's going to be kind of sad. My uh, my favorite game of the week, like you said, Shiloh, you like when weather becomes another character. For me, it's also the atmosphere of where you're watching it. So the Bengals-Steelers game was awesome for the fourth quarter and the overtime, just back and forth, missed field goals, missed extra points, all that. And then I happen to be in Ohio right now on a little business trip. And right where I am is smack dab in between basically Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. So there's, <laughs> I, w- I went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, feel free to sponsor Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> and, Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> and that place was packed with each kind of fan. There was Browns, Bengals, a lot more Steelers than I expected. And that place was going nuts. Kids were crying from the loud noises. <laughs> Parents were bringing their kids home. It, it, it was a lot of fun. So, Oh, yeah. I love any time um, I'm at Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> and I order some of their uh, – one of their – deals where it's 10 boneless wings plus fries for 9.99 and me i like to get a sauce on my wings so i usually go for the i gotta find the sauces (laughs) me i like to go for the mango habanero for uh 10 off use code cheese nerds (laughs) (laughs) all right buffalo wild wings it's your move Yeah. All right, Cody, what about you? I'm going to go with the Eagles-Lions game. I know it's like a mortal sin to kind of root for your division rivals, especially when it's the NFC North. Uh, But I'm really hoping that the Lions avoid a shitty season, uh, particularly because Dan Campbell is such a character. Real genuine, he seems. Also, DeAndre Swift. He's electric. Amon Ross St. Brown. The big heart of that team, too, Jamal Williams. Do do either of you get the feeling that when we're rooting against the Lions, it's like rooting against the Mighty Ducks or something? (laughs) Yeah. I feel feel like it's okay to root for the Lions just because the season they had last year, and you're like, ah, if I root for them a little bit, what's it going to hurt, you know? Yeah. Like, they're supposed to be a division rival. They're a dangerous team in that it's very easy for them to keep us out of the playoffs if they start doing well. 
especially with the Vikings doing well. But rooting against them just feels like, man, it feels like we're the bad team. We're Iceland in D2, the Mighty Ducks. It's it's scary. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to the Packers as much as it pains me. What did we learn this week? I think one of the main things we learned, and we have to give credit where credit is due, that Vikings offense might be for real, and it might be one of the best offenses in the conference. Kevin O'Connell is another young coach who is out there to prove himself and out there giving new ideas for how an offense should run. And they are clearly aware of who their playmakers are and what the strengths of their quarterback are. I was watching Kirk being efficient, being precise. I was watching that offensive line smother our defenders. And I was watching Justin Jefferson just torch us any which way he could. So that Vikings offense is deadly. Yeah, their offense. Kevin O'Connell, just another one of the uh, a blip on the McVay kind of coaching tree coming over from the Rams. Pretty soon, every coach in the league is going to be somehow related to McVay or Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I think we're I think in the past two, three, four years, we are witnessing a shift where teams are looking for a young offensive minded coach to change the way they do things because i think more and more you have to have a high powered offense if you want to win the big one another fun fact about o'connell he was the emergency backup in the chargers uh practices to guess who who charlie whitehurst oh my gosh when you're the That's backup to charlie whitehurst <laughs> he's a career backup clipboard Jesus they call him <laughs> well he must have spent that time learning how to call plays because he's good at it another thing we learned is our o-line is shaky at best we said earlier it's very apparent we're hurting on that line with the injuries that we have it just did not look good overall i agree it was uh kind of pieced together wasn't it with injuries and whatnot yeah but i i just when i watched that offensive line i was just there's got to be a different combination because this one is terrible. I think I saw a report earlier that Jake Hansen had a 14.4 pass blocking grade, which is abysmally low, um, might be a record low for an offensive lineman. And he was, if not a starter, he was on the line at some point and was just terrible. Zach Tom came in, our rookie, I think out of Wake Forest. And he put in a good show. Uh, he he had a good showing. So maybe we'll see Zach Tom more and more with this line as banged up as it is right now. Going from what we were talking about last week, the receivers, they just, it was embarrassing to watch. I mean, I know youth and inexperience plays a factor, but some of those, some of those goofs were kind of goofy. Yeah, our receivers definitely need to develop. Just, we you, you said it last week that we were going to be looking at drops and we were going to be shaking our head at drops and we'll talk about that more later but drops may have cost us this game obviously we have to like we already gave the vikings offense props we have to give that vikings defense props too. uh zadarius smith former packer he had a hell of a game you could tell he came out just hungry angry ready to prove himself ready to prove the packers wrong whether it was him just hyping up his team or serious bad feelings towards us it was clear that he has a high motor still and he wanted to show it off figures the first game we play is against zadarius and he has an amazing opening game against his former team 
that supposedly wronged him. You you could tell he had his teammates behind him too. He pumped up that defense. He did not want to give up a yard. And part of what he was doing was just killing our momentum. Um, that was the story of this game, was the Packers not being able to get any sort of momentum going, and even if they could, not capitalizing on that momentum. Uh, there was, coming out of half, we started off really strong. A.J. Dillon comes out, runs 14 yards, and it's looking like he's angry. He's looking like, okay, maybe the tide is turning a little bit here. Let's get this momentum going. The very next play, our offensive line breaks down. Rodgers gets sandwiched, and we lose the ball. And the Vikings get it right back and march down the field for a field goal. That was the play that Rodgers was slow to get up on, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's just it. It looked like, okay, here comes A.J. Dillon. The players are mad. They're going to prove themselves. And then the very next play, we almost lose Rodgers. Yeah, and... I think we got away from stuff, too. I mean, I know we're going back in the game here a little bit, but the second quarter, there was a, a few drives there where it was, you know, a nice 20-yard catch and run to Tanya, and right after that was a nice run by Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon had a nice play right after that. It, they're all like three similar throws cutting across the field to the right, and it was 10 yards every time or close to. And then we had a nice end around to Watson. It, it, I think we did better with that kind of quicker offense where we're not trying to make a big play just you know when we gave AJ Dillon the ball he he couldn't be stopped for quite a bit of the game and so it 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 just I think we hurt ourselves too it always seems like when we're in a two-minute drill that I don't know what it is but Rodgers can put together a nice drive for the most part that's something that's kind of frustrating about Matt LaFleur and I don't know how much of it is Rodgers changing the play at the line but Matt LaFleur likes to seems he has a tendency to abandon the run when we get down or even if the run is working there were so many times yesterday where AJ Dillon would break off five six yards Aaron Jones would run down the field for 15 20 yards and then we'd have three plays in a row where we're five wide it's a little frustrating when you can see as a fan something working and the Packers just leave it and don't come back to it. So going back to the wide receivers, like we said, they're struggling. And for, for me, the worst part about it, not only seeing their struggles, for whatever reason, Fox really liked throwing up that little tracker that had Devontae Adams <laughs> yards for the day so far, <laughs> just, just to throw it in our face three, four, five times. Yeah. It's, hey, by the way, your receivers only have 42 yards while Devontae Adams is at 113 right now. <laughs> like yeah. they, I wonder they, if they were doing the same thing for the Chiefs and Tyree. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, 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 was the, that was the worst part about it. Yeah, um, obviously there was the O-line troubles. Um, we kind of talked about that. One thing I wanted to talk about, the weird decisions in play calling. At the end of the game, there was about four minutes to go, and we had driven down the field pretty quickly. It was all passing... Rodgers was hitting the open guy, and it was going for 15-yard chunks at a time. I think the Vikings at that point were playing a little soft, trying not to give up the big play. But we had a chance. We were only down by 16 with four to go. So doing the math in your head, Aaron Rodgers might get the ball back with a minute down, down by eight if everything goes right. And when we get inside the 20 during this drive, it's third and one, and Despite having A.J. Dillon, who at that point was looking just unstoppable against that defensive front, we decide to throw a pass play. 
And it's just supposed to be a quick out to Watson so he can dive forward for the one yard and get us another first and goal or first and 10 inside the 15, maybe. But Watson wasn't looking for the ball. More of those wide receiver rookie mistakes. Watson did not turn his head in time for the ball, and former Packer Chandon Sullivan almost took it away. I mean, that would have ended the game right there. But yeah, it was just a, a gaff, and it felt like, whew, we dodged a bullet there. And then we come out on fourth and one, and we need one yard, and we still need two touchdowns and two two-point conversions. So at the very least, we just need a yard to like keep this momentum going. And we go five wide, no help in the backfield, despite our offensive line being terrible all game. And we go for a deep strike into the end zone to Tunyon, who is double covered. And obviously it just falls incomplete and turn the ball over. No hope for winning anymore. It just felt like such a weird choice at the end of the game there. Just felt like giving up almost. When you think about it, though, it was a close game, 23 points on their end, but we had the touchdown. We had seven points. We had a failed fourth and one that should have went for a touchdown. We had uh, the fourth and one in the goal line. And then we had the big, the the tone setter, the big Watson drop that would have brought us up to 21 points, you know, 23, 21 going into the fourth quarter like what it should have been also the defense only giving up two field goals in the second half that's adjustments had to have been made there but man the offense cannot leave points on the field like that yeah you make a good point i actually hadn't like the narrative of the game didn't enter my head that we only gave up six in the second half which that means the defense stepped up when they needed to but it didn't really feel like that it just kept feeling like Jefferson was burning us whenever he could or whenever he wanted to. When you put it in perspective like that, it is encouraging. Specifically, our defensive performance, I guess we can get into that now too. It was nice to see some rookies making immediate impacts. Uh, Quay Walker looked amazing out there for the time that he was out there. I know I wrote down pretty early in the first, maybe with seven minutes to go, he had a big hit on KJ Osborne that stopped him for three yards in open field. It was nice to see him making an impact immediately. Ryan, I don't think you've talked for a while. The next thing, I've I seen a lot of nice open field tackles. The one that I really liked was Rasul Douglas. He had a really nice tackle on uh, Jefferson. I believe it was like a little quick throw to the right, and Rasul just, I mean, swallowed him up right away. It was a really good tackle against a guy that's been burning you all game. So, I'm actually just watching that play now. It was third and 14 in the beginning of the third and um yeah he makes a big tackle there uh if jefferson makes him miss he's got open field in front of him yeah and you're you're talking about one of the best wide receivers in the game if not the best this year we'll see what happens but it was a great stop on him another thing i just need to bring up was i don't know what our defensive scheme was against this vikings offense but it wasn't working this zone defense was useless against justin jefferson he We've been saying it this whole podcast. He tore us up. He, what was the final stat? How many yards? A hundred and oh, I don't even really want to look. <laughs> Let me pull it up. I think it's one hundred forty-four. If I want to, I thought it was in the one eighties. One eighty-four, two oh, touchdowns. One eighty-four. So, I mean, he was just carving us up. Who, who wanted to cover him the whole game? That was Alexander, wasn't it? Yeah, Alexander said he wanted to. He wanted him, but like the commentators made a point during that game, like, yeah, you can have. Jair following him all game, but then your other 
you're waiting for the offensive huddle to break so you can find where Jefferson is lining up. And then once Jair gets to his position, you need the other corners to then find their assignments. Meanwhile, Kirk Cousins is running his up-tempo offense, um, not giving us any time to figure that stuff out. There were a number of plays where you see our defense just scrambling, trying to get to their assignments. And there's a picture going around right now of uh, Preston Smith in coverage. I see that on, um, It's a little misleading of a picture because it's zone and Preston's assignment is not technically Justin Jefferson. But to see our pass rusher uh, lined up across from Justin Jefferson is sort of... Um, it's indicative of how the rest of that game went. What, what was the caption? It was like, good luck or something. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. So, um, obviously, like Cody said, our second half really wasn't as bad as we think. But that first half was bad enough. I think it left a bad taste in people's mouths. I think a bad enough taste where you don't realize the improvements made in the second half. It hurt because it was the opposite of everything we were hoping for right our defense didn't really seem like they came out to play and their offense the vikings offense just torched us and like you said cody the second half went a lot better but that first half was just rough oh yeah i think well the only thing is the second half was better in terms of defense but as a whole for the team the second half was oh my god it was just it, it seemed like too that um as it was getting close to the end like they weren't it didn't seem like there was any sense of urgency, you know, that was like, I noticed there was a lot of slowly getting up to the line, you know, and I I might be totally wrong about this. No, I know. Um, I have it written down here. The defense looked completely deflated when you're working that hard and the offense isn't helping. It Mm -hmm. can, I mean, that's gotta be demoralizing, you know, I could see it too. I could see Kirk cousins when he's under pressure, that's when he makes mistakes. And there were a couple of times in this game where he looked like that Kirk Cousins. He had pressure in his face, and he just makes a really poor decision. Uh, there was at least two instances I can recall. The first, he threw just the worst pass I've ever... Uh, just a just a terrible pass um, to, I think, his tight end. It was almost a pick. In the third quarter, Devondre Campbell nearly picked him off. It was just a really poor decision to try to throw that one. And then um, there was another one where he threw it kind of wildly down the left sideline, and it was nobody in the area. So when you get pressure on Kirk, he crumbles, but we weren't getting pressure on him, like, at all. Yeah, um, Rashawn Gary with the only sack. I was expecting a lot more in the way of sacks and turnovers, but... There was nothing. There's one sack, uh, four tackles for loss, but zero turnovers. This this defense needs turnovers, and we didn't get any. So that was another contributor to this game falling apart. Yeah, we needed we needed that something to ignite our offense a little bit, and that's where you want those turnovers and to have zero. Not ideal. Yeah, it's encouraging to see the defense play better in the second half because you'd think that they wouldn't really be quite at the game speed that they should be at for their first game because they the starters played so little in the preseason and like you said at the beginning this is preseason week four yeah so to see them play better in the second half is at least a light or light at the end of the tunnel you know but 
they're not going to a good defense is going to be tanked by a bad offense. So a lot of problems to fix on the team. I mean, our defense, it's I mean, that's the story of the San Francisco playoff game. A good defense can hold the team to 13 points. But if your offense can only score 12, I mean, what are you going to do? Something that is a bit of a positive for this week was our special teams. There really was nothing special to talk about. But at the same time, they didn't do anything to sink us. To me, it felt like every single punt, every single Green Bay punt, just somebody almost got home. You know what I mean? Like, it was so close to being blocked or somebody got just so close. I feel like that was the only thing. There wasn't too many or there wasn't any big miscues and it didn't sink us. But man, was I sweating during each punt. What did you guys think of? the finishing move that the Vikings punter has now, the big boot. The big boot. Uh, the Undertaker would be proud. <laughs> it's like the anti-Antonio Brown when he kicked the uh, punter. <laughs> now the punter's finally fighting back. The punter got the revenge. For me, the special teams was, it was surprising that we're not talking about it, right? Going back to last week, that was my number one concern, even more than the wide receivers. I thought we were going to be talking about a missed field goal or a long snapper throwing it over his head and something like that, you know? So I am surprised that the special teams held it together enough where they're not a talking point. Just a final thought on this game. Uh, I don't think we're the worst team in the division, uh, but we certainly played like it on Sunday. The Lions were down 38-21 at the end of the third, and they almost pulled off the victory. That team is scrappy, and they were not willing to just take a 17-point loss. I mean, at that point, they we were down 17-0 in the third, and they were down by 17. They were almost able to come back for the win, but we couldn't even get close. The Bears also had a comeback victory against the Niners, and they had just beat us in the playoffs. And they did that in terrible weather and despite being down heading into the fourth. And then, obviously, the Vikings looked like the hottest offense in the NFC. These players need to realize they're no longer head and shoulders above the other three teams in this division. All right, we have some awards to give out. It's a new segment on the Deep Fried Cheese Nerds podcast. Our first award, we want to start on a positive note. We're going to give out the Golden Brown Player of the Week for offense and defense. My choice for that particular award is A.J. Dillon. Especially coming out of half, Dillon looked like he was angry and he wanted to win. Dylan came out and first thing he does is a 14-yard run and he did it by plowing through three other defenders. The second and third efforts that I saw from Dylan this week just impressed the hell out of me. Yep, I have in my notes here, I have big Dylan runs, bowling ball. <laughs> That's a really good way of describing it. I put down one for uh, Dan Campbell. I put down grit. <laughs> yeah, Campbell would be proud. Yeah, for me, I had uh, Romeo Dobbs. As bad as these rookie wide receivers were, Dobbs had a few good plays where I'm excited to see what what's continuing on. Uh, Golden Brown Player of the Week for me, Jordan Love in garbage time. <laughs> yeah, that's our future right there. What was he, three for three for like 17 yards, I think? Uh, four of five for Ooh. 65, I think, but they were oh. all... I think every single one of them was a check down, but 
No, he made a couple down the field. But, I mean, the Vikings were in prevent by that time, but, yeah. There's not much to get excited about in this game, I think, at least on the offense, besides, you know, Dylan and Dobbs, like you guys said. So, Jordan Love and garbage time. Yeah, I had I had one honorable mention. Tanyan, I know he didn't get a lot of action, but when he got the ball, the guy looked fast. He looked like his old self. Um, going into that fourth and one at the end of the game, it, I mean, if that hand didn't get in there, I think he might have came down with that ball. So he, he was my little honorable mention. Yeah, Tanyan, that first catch, quite a big gainer. So it was ha- I was happy to see that. Yeah, we kind of talk about... Um, so uh, just see. Guys? Huh. Can you hear that? No. No. What the fuck? What'd you All hear? All I hear is what the hell's going on? What's I hear going a bunch on? of I hear a bunch of music. <laughs> oh, it was a ESPN tab. You add on one of your tabs. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so sorry, man. It's all right. <laughs> guys. <laughs> guys, guys, there's music. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like the awards like the Emmys are tonight. That's the playoff music to let right. Shiloh know he's gone on too long. Yeah, right. Play him off the stage. Get out the big hook. I hope you can remember what you're saying. Yeah, I was just saying, um, it's nice to see Tunyon coming back from that injury because we talked about David Bakhtiari and how his injury would affect him long term. And it wasn't that long ago where Tunyon was um in that same boat where he was hurt and it was lingering, and you're just like, when are we going to get this guy back, and when are we going to get him back at full power? So it was nice to see him back, and in some semblance of what he was for that one year. Golden Brown Defensive Player of the Week, uh, Rashawn Gary. Uh, Seven combined tackles, one tackle for loss, the only sack. I think he's really the only guy that I can think of. Yeah, for me, my... uh... Golden Brown player of the week on defense was Rasul Douglas. Four tackles. I said earlier he had that really nice one on uh, Justin Jefferson, so kind of stood out to me as well. And for me, I'm giving my Golden Brown player of the week on the defense to our rookie inside linebacker, Quay Walker. He was making plays. He was around the ball pretty much every single play he was in. And like I said before, he had that big hit on Osborne early on that um pretty much got us the ball back so i hope he's back and healthy next week and i hope he continues that momentum now on the other side of the of the coin sometimes when you order a thing of cheese curds you get that golden brown crispy cheese curd that's just perfect and you get that undercooked frozen white curd that just tastes terrible so this is the undercooked curd of the week segment on offense. I think the three of us all agree on one player and that's Christian Watson. I think um, that drop changed the momentum for the entire game and games don't come down to one play, but when you have a chance to start off your career, start off your season, start off your game with a 75 yard bomb touchdown and you just let it slip. I think that, can affect in a team throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, it was absolutely heartbreaking just seeing it. You know, it's you see the you see the bomb and you're just like, whoa, there this is the first play. And it's like coming down, you see it's number nine, and you're like, holy shit, this guy's gonna catch a big one. And then it just goes through his hands. So hopefully it doesn't happen in the future. 
if they get another opportunity like that. And a, another point is the timing issue. I mean, him and Rodgers haven't worked in any kind of game situation, so I hope I hope he learns as we go here. But just that little quick pass at the end of the game where he didn't have his head turned around almost led to an interception. I mean, those are game-changing mistakes. Yeah, it just shows the youth of these wide receivers, um, and it shows how much they have to learn yet, and hopefully they learn it quick because, you know, Cody brought this up last week. Rodgers doesn't have much time left, and I don't know how content he's going to be taking a year off to get in touch with these receivers. Especially if he takes more hits to his head like he did that last game. Yeah, that was was scary. scary. Uh, There's also an undercooked curd of the week for defense, and we also agree on Eric Stokes. The poor guy just got picked on all game, and it seemed like every catch that Jefferson was making or Thielen was making, 21 was five yards away from where he was supposed to be. Especially on that five-yard touchdown or however many yards it was uh, on Jefferson, he was he was nowhere close. That's you know that's one thing. It occurs to me now. That's one th- more thing that we're really going to miss about Devante, um, just being in practice. Eric Stokes last year in his really great rookie campaign had to go up against Devante in training camp all the time. And when you're up against a guy with the release and the route running of Devante and you have to keep up with that, I mean, that's just going to make you better naturally. So not having that on the practice field, not having somebody who makes you think about that, I think that's going to be something we miss a lot this year. All right, one more segment, one more award to give. I want to know everybody's deep-fried play of the game. The play in the game that got you the most excited. The play that you feel was the Packers' top play. And there weren't a lot of good ones in this game, but I think we can at least pick out three. Mine, in particular, was in the third quarter. Packers are marching down the field. It was a handoff to Dylan, who then pitches a reverse to Dobbs. Dobbs runs it for 11 yards with Aaron Rodgers as his lead blocker. And Aaron Rodgers throws a quote-unquote block against former teammate Zadarius Smith, where he then proceeded to get knocked on his ass and then stumble in a really silly way on his way back to his feet. So (laughs) (laughs) as uh, silly as it was to watch, it was, you know, it's a first down. We're near the goal line. It set up a touchdown. It just felt like maybe this is the turning point and Rodgers is going to have fun with this game the rest of the way. Unfortunately, things didn't go that way, but that is my deep-fried play. Yeah, you can't talk smack to Zadarius after you just stumbled over your own legs a couple times. <laughs> you got you to gotta give him that one and go back to the huddle. That was the lone bright spot for the day was watching Rodgers with that big old smile on his face after he just embarrassed himself against Zadarius. Uh, my deep-fried play of the game. In the third quarter, Aaron Jones, he had a really nice 20-yard run that had a stiff arm in there, and it had a really nice Randall Cobb block as well. So it was nice to see Cobb uh, get a nice block like that. My deep-fried play of the game was uh, Aaron Jones had a big big pass early in the second quarter, um, running out of the backfield, just takes off down the sideline. It was good to see. I think these running backs really can have the big receiving numbers at the end of the year that all the fantasy players are expecting. Yeah, it was nice to see Dylan and Jones on the field at the same time so much, which I think that's going to open up some things. Looking ahead, week two, Packers got to get back on course. We're up against another division rival. 
But it's our home opener. Um, the Bears are coming to Lambeau. And uh, we know Rodgers. It's going to be tough for Rodgers because he's you know, a Packers leader. And he's going up against the team that he owns. So, I don't know. There might be a conflict of interest there. I can say that going into this game, I'm a heck of a lot more nervous than I was for us going into the Vikings game. How we played in the Vikings, if that continues on to the Bears and we go down to 0-2 very fast in the season here to divisional opponents, not going to be a great start. And then going in with the, um, I believe it's Buccaneers in Week 3, right? Don't want to go into that one 0-2. And also, if that defense can't contain Justin Fields in a more or less first-year offense, you got some major problems. I think we're going to need more work out of Jones, more work out of Dylan. you got to look at the film and see that those are your playmakers. Those are the guys that move the ball forward. Take a couple shots to your wide receivers, but we are now a run-first team until Rodgers and those receivers start clicking. The biggest threats, I mean, Justin Fields looks hyped. I don't know if you saw their celebration at the end of that Niners game, but it was pretty cool seeing them all penguin slide in the waist-deep water. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. They're coming into this game fueled up. They're coming in with all the momentum, and they, they're, they're not going to forget what Rodgers said last year. They, they hold on to that, so yeah, they're going to try and prove him wrong. This one is Bears ownership on a pole match. What are you guys thinking for a final score? What do you have in this Bears game? I, I think it's going to be a lot closer game than I originally thought before the season. I think it's going to be a field goal or less. Packers win. First game at home. Hoping they uh, turn it around here. I'm a little more optimistic about this. The Packers know they can't go 0-2 to start the season. Not to mention 0-2 in division to start the season. It's prime time. We don't know how Justin Fields is going to operate in prime time with how many millions of eyes on him, especially visiting Green Bay. I think the Packers take it by at least 10 in their home opener against the Bears. As long as it's not a torrential downpour, I think the Packers will win by a touchdown. (laughs) All right, before we wrap it up, I want to play a little game. Wisconsin is well known for its quick trips, so let's take a quick trip around the NFL. Give me your speedy predictions for this week's matchups. So I'm going to tell you the game, when it's happening, and you're just going to one-word answer who you think is going to win. Are we ready? Thursday night game, Chargers at Chiefs. Chargers. Chiefs. Sunday noon game, Dolphins at Ravens. Dolphins. Dolphins. Sunday noon game, Jets at Browns. Jets. Jets. Sunday noon, Commanders at Lions. 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 Sunday noon game, Colts at Jags. Colts. Colts. Sunday noon game, Buccaneers at Saints. Buccaneers. Let's go Saints. Sunday noon game, Panthers at Giants. Giants. Panthers. Sunday noon game, Patriots at Steelers. 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 Sunday afternoon game, Falcons at Rams. Rams. Rams, yep. Sunday afternoon, Seahawks at Niners. 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 Sunday afternoon game, Bengals at Cowboys. Bengals. Bengals. Sunday afternoon, Texans at Broncos. Broncos. Yep, Broncos. Sunday afternoon, Cardinals at Raiders. Raiders. Let's go Cardinals. Monday night, Titans at Bills. Bills. Titans. Monday night, Vikings at Eagles. Eagles. Vikings. All right. Any of those games in particular you guys are looking forward to? 
Personally, I'm looking forward to that Colts-Jags game. Not quite a revenge game since Carson Wentz has moved on, but definitely the rest of that Colts team has to feel a little annoyed that they missed out on the playoffs against the lowly Jaguars last season. Uh, Chargers-Chiefs for me, I think it has shades of Chiefs-Rams 2018. For me, the Titans-Bills game. Looking forward to that Monday game. Alrighty, that's going to do it for the Deep Fried Cheese Nerds podcast episode 2, week 1 at Minnesota. Thanks for joining Ryan, Cody, and me in our sorrow and our hopefulness that brighter days lay ahead. You can follow us on Twitter at DFCheeseNerds, Facebook also. Please leave us a five-star review and join us for the next one. Welp, we best be hitting the road. Have a good one. Bye. You guys remember Roy Helu? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs>